0: We're going to get into the message here right away. Um, I'm not starting a series at this point, but the message today probably will be a series down the road. It's something that I believe is really important. And I've titled the message today, We Are Saved to Serve. And uh, I believe that God saves people, first of all, of course, to uh, forgive us of our sins, bring us into relationship with our Heavenly Father, But he saves you and I for a purpose. Because you see, he created us. He brought that life into the womb or there would have been no life. He's put gifts in you and I. It says he knew you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. So he has put things in you. And those things cannot come to life until you've been saved. Until you've been freed and brought to life in your spirit. And so God saves you and I for a purpose. And I believe he saves you and I to serve him in some way. He knows what your passion is. He knows what you enjoy and what you're good at. And those are the things he's going to set you up to do. Did you know God doesn't ask you to serve him miserably? I've read that. It says he loves a cheerful giver. Okay, he doesn't be like, Come serve me, you're going to hate it, but one day you'll be in heaven. You won't actually see that. Now, that doesn't mean serving will always be easy or life will never have ups and downs, but I can guarantee you if you're serving with what he's put in you, you'll enjoy it. The worship team today, I just want to let you know I did not force any of them to come worship. I didn't drag a single one up on the platform and make them. Neither did God. As a matter of fact, they were here before I was. They were here practicing it, getting it awesome because they want to give something to God that's really good and they want to lead you guys with something that you can follow. You know, I think it's a great example how they do that. Is it work? Well, sure. Did you know the person leading the worship, they pray about and choose the songs, then they'll go over them and they pass it on to the team. They put in probably about 10 hours, a worship leader, through the week. By the time they practice and serve here, and they love it. So serving isn't always easy, but it's fulfilling when you're doing what you're passionate about. So think about today, what are you passionate about? Because I believe we're saved to serve. Hebrews 9, 14, we read this. Yet how much more will the sacred blood of the Messiah thoroughly cleanse our consciences? For by the power of the eternal spirit, he has offered himself to God as the perfect sacrifice that now frees us from our dead works to worship and serve the living God. Now this is good. If you've ever thought church or Christianity, oh, it's just going to be boring and I got all these works I have to do, I've got good news for you. Serving God is not about dead works. Serving God is about worship and service that's alive. You see, the way Scripture shows things, they'll put opposites sometimes. That's what he's done here. Dead works or worship and service. It means they are the opposite. So maybe some of you are longtime believers and you've kind of been serving in something that you hate. Let's just say it that way. Oh, I don't like what I'm doing. You might not be serving in an area that God's given you a passion for. So as your pastor, I'm going to say, quit it and find something you're passionate about. Now, I don't want the whole worship team to quit next week or anything like that. But anyhow, (laughs) I'm going to be honest with you. What is it that you're doing? You should be passionate about it. I mean, if you're scared of kids, don't join kids ministry, okay? If they, like, freak you out, don't. But if you have a passion and a love for kids... Talk to them and ask, hey, how does it work? Is there a process? And of course there is. I can tell you this, you'll be fulfilled when you use what you're passionate about. Because we are saved not for dead works, but to serve him. Luke 171 echoes this same thing again. It says, we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. You see, we are called to serve God without fear. Do you know that fear can stop people from serving probably more than anything else? In ministry, I've been in ministry for many years and I think there's probably two main things that stop people from serving. Probably number one is fear. The word serve in this scripture can actually also be translated worship because serving is a form of worship. When you serve God, it's also a way to worship him. Whether it's with music, if you like music, or with kids, or maybe you just love people, and you're on a welcome team, and uh, we have a couple here who greeted you when you came in this morning. They are amazing at greeting people. You can't help but feeling like smiling after they greet you. And why? It's a gift. It's a gift of service. We have a couple couples. (laughs) We have them Come and serve you, not because we drugged them there. Again, I didn't drag any of them to their spot this morning. Not a one. They love it. And when you love something, I believe when you're serving, you also show others how to do it because you love it so much and you're good at it. So serving is important. We were saved to serve, and it is a type of worship. The Message Bible in John chapter 12 says this. If any of you wants to serve me, then follow me. Then you'll be where I am, ready to serve at a moment's notice. The Father will honor and reward anyone who serves him. So the Lord wants you to serve. He wants you to serve him. But also he wants us to serve others. You see, serving the Lord means that we're following him. And following the Lord means you're serving him. You see, following the Lord is not just something in our minds. It's not just something we learned or know. It is something we do. It's a doing word. Did you know you actually can't call yourself a Christian? The word Christian means a follower of Christ. If you are a follower of Christ, you will be serving. Isn't that amazing? Why? Because Jesus himself came to serve, and he taught others, Christians, how to do what he does. You and I today, there's a a saying, did you know that you and I are the hands and feet of Jesus today? Well, guys, hands and feet serve. We are here having him flow through us to serve our community, to serve one another, to make a difference. And serving is not just something we do, it is something we are. You see, we're called servants of the Lord. We're called servants of the Most High God. There's an interesting story in Daniel chapter 3 about three men named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men had jobs, if you will, in our terminology, they had jobs working for the government. But they were servants of a higher power. They were servants of the most high God. Well, the government they worked for decided the king at that time had had a vision of a golden statue. And he was the head of gold. And he kind of got proud and decided, I'm going to make an actual statue. And everybody's going to bow down and worship it. In other words, he wanted worship. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, nah, we can't worship a statue. You see, we're servants of the most high God and we only bow to him. Well, the king said, then I'm going to throw you in a fire and kill you as an example because he kind of believed he was higher than any god. And so they said, no, we're sorry, we can't do it. We're even willing to die for the God we serve. They got thrown into the fire, but the fire didn't burn them. It only burnt off the ropes that were holding them. And the men who threw them in the fire, even getting close, they died. So here they are in the fire, and Nebuchadnezzar looks in and says this to them in chapter 3, verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. You see, this king who wanted everybody to worship him, who thought he was higher than any god, had a revelation. These men are servants of the Most High God, somebody higher than me. So I have a question for you today. Church, where you work and where you are, will people look at you and say, there is a servant of the Most High God? Will they say, there's a Christian, one who follows Christ? I believe it should be that evident because when you're serving the Most High God, your actions prove who you serve. So just a little question to think about. You see, to be able to serve God and serve others in our communities, we need to be unselfish. Unselfish people serve. Mark 8 and verse 34. It's Jesus, and it says, Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. In other words, he's saying, hey, forget about your own selfish plan and go with my plan. If you want to hold on to your selfish plan that's all about you, you're going to be miserable. It's not going to work. But how about step aside, put that plan somewhere else, like, you know, in in the garbage can or something, and take my plan because my plan is going to be good. You see, God is good. His plans are good. He knows more about you than you know about you. He knows your future. He knows what he has to prosper you. And he says, take my plan. So let's be unselfish and let's take his plan. Because when we're selfish, we kind of only serve us. You have a relationship that's not working well, guaranteed at least one person in the relationship is just trying to serve themselves. You have a situation in life where All you feel like doing is complaining and grumbling. Guaranteed you're thinking about yourself. Not a good way to live. Become unselfish. Take on his plan. And I guarantee you, it will be good. Look at Mark 10 and verse 21. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven, and come and take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Jesus is having a conversation with a rich young man. And Jesus can tell this young man loves God. He even knows his scripture, because he asks him a couple questions. And it says Jesus loved him... But Jesus saw that there was an issue for this young man that he's speaking to. This young man cared more about possessions than serving God. Now this, what God asked him to do is not for everybody. I'm definitely not telling you all to go and sell everything you have. And, you know, that's a specific word for this young man. And God was dealing with an issue that he had. He loved stuff more than serving God. Did you know in our Western world, our Western culture, stuff can be a problem. There's this thing uh, called hoarding. You don't have to be rich either to have a problem with stuff. You can be poor or wealthy and have a problem with stuff where it causes you not to even serve God because it's the most important thing to you. And the problem, if you have a problem with stuff, it's usually selfish. There's actually something called a shopping addiction. Did you know that? You can be addicted to shopping. Where you have to buy something else and you get a little high from it. I got some more stuff for me. Whew. And uh, a thing called hoarding. Sometimes people who hoard are actually not wealthy at all but they can't stop bringing stuff because it makes them feel good. God saw that this rich young person had a problem with stuff, and his wealth was more important to him than anything. I'm to tell you this. If you have an issue with stuff and it's stopping you from being able to serve, you know, if you're spending all your money on stuff, it's going to be hard to serve. If God asks you to go somewhere and you don't have gas money because you... You know, bought too many things at the dollar store. I don't know if I should use names here. I could get in trouble. You get the point, though, right? It can be a thing. I'm going to encourage you, if you're not sure, do I have a stuff issue? Ask the Lord. I guarantee you when you do, if you have a stuff issue, you know what the first thing he's going to ask you to do? Give some away. You will find out really fast if you have a stuff issue. You know, you know, and I know there's some guys here, they're thinking it's only women that can have shopping addictions. Guys can have shopping addictions, too. It's just different. You know, women, maybe it's new shoes or new clothes over and over. But for guys, maybe it's like, I really need this tool. You know, they're not going to use that tool more than once, but they need a tool. They hang up in the garage. <laughs> Woohoo! So it could be different. But I want to encourage you, don't let stuff take over. Don't let stuff trap you so that you can't serve God. Okay? Just don't. All right? That's a little off topic, but it still is important. If you want to be serving him, you cannot let stuff weigh you down. So this young man, unfortunately, didn't follow Jesus because of stuff. But Jesus showed us clearly that ourselves cannot be number one. But we need to be following what is the will of God for us. Jesus himself said this in Matthew 26 and 39. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying to the Father about what he's supposed to do. And he said he went a little farther and he fell on his face and prayed saying, Oh my Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. You see, to serve him, you're going to have to put your will aside and say, okay, God, it's your plan, not mine. And if you do, it may not be easy, but it will be the most rewarding, fulfilling thing you've ever done in your life. Guaranteed. Matthew 7, 21, Jesus makes this statement. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will will of my Father. Serving God means we're going to do His will, not ours. But I don't want you to be worried about that because His will for you is amazing if you'll follow. It will transform how you live and feel. So follow Him and do His will. You see, you and I are saved to serve the Lord. You and I are saved to serve others we need to lay aside our own agendas and ourselves and say, okay, God, I'm available. There's an amazing song, and we can say, yes, I'm available. In Luke 22, 25, Jesus tells his followers, you need to be servants. Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lorded over their people. Yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. You who are greatest among you should take the lowest rank and leaders should be like a servant. Who is more important? The one who sits at the table or the one who serves? Well, the one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. Jesus served people. You and I are also called to serve people. Jesus even went so far to wash their feet. Washing feet was the one of the lowest jobs for a servant at any house. Because it was kind of a ucky, dirty, dusty job. They walked with open sandals and dusty conditions where animals walked in the same places. And, well, you get the picture if you've ever been on a farm. And Jesus said, I'll do even the dirtiest job if it's needed. He was someone willing to serve, and you and I also should be willing to serve. You see, the disciples were taught for a while, and then they were sent out to also do the work. When you come to believe and follow Christ, there'll be a learning, growing time, and very quickly there'll be a time where God says, okay, try it out. It's your turn. Step up. It's your turn. You know, we always have reasons, and I'll call them what they are, excuses of why, well, we would, but... Well, you know, I would serve, but first, I want to get this all fixed. Well, I'd do that for God, but I'd like to first, you know, have about this much money in my bank account. Or, well, I'd serve him, but you know, maybe when my kids aren't acting up as much. There's always a reason. But I want to tell you this. Put the reasons aside and just start serving where you can. Matthew 4 and verse 18. One day Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net in the water, for they fished for living. And Jesus called out to them, and he said, Come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. This was a call to service that was a call that actually called them out of everything they were doing into something brand new. Now, not everybody is called to do that. So please, don't everybody on Monday quit your jobs and, you know, <laughs> go in your RV or something. Like, don't do that. This was a specific call, very specific for these men. and they, But they were actually called to leave everything and do something different. It can happen. And God could call somebody here to that. There are sometimes transitions in life and God says, okay, I got something, do you want it? I want to encourage you to be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. But for many of you, you you're right where you're supposed to be and he wants to call you to serve in the work you're in now. He wants to call you to serve in the community you're in. Unfortunately, from time to time, I have met people who... just aren't settled, and that's not an excuse to say you're serving God because you run all over the country. Make sure he's leading, and then serve him well. You see, fishing for people would be their new work, their new service for God. Interestingly, he chose something they were good at and they were passionate about already, didn't he? He chose some people who already knew how to have patience, who knew how to use wisdom where to find the fish, And how to bring them in. He's going to use you with gifts that he's already put in you. Okay, I want to encourage you with that. You will be blessed, but you will have to say, yes, I'll serve. Matthew 9 and verse 37. Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. You know, we've been abundantly blessed here at church this year. We've seen already 36 people have accepted Christ uh, this year so far at the church. That is awesome. You can give the Lord praise for that. (laughs) But you see, part of the harvest is not just seeing people pray. It's helping bring them in, grow them up. There's a process and a time, and it takes workers. We have amazing people who lead life groups to help grow people, to help them become more, and to learn and understand and mature. We have people who serve the kids and plant seeds so parents can come and focus completely on the worship and the message. And I want to encourage you, if you're a part of the church, you've been a part even for a little while, if you have a serving gift, let us know. We want to see you rise up and go higher. You see, as church leaders, as pastors, our job is actually to equip you for the work of the ministry. We're supposed to be helping you find out what your passion is and giving you the tools necessary to do it. Ephesians 4 verse 11 says this, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. My job is to serve you using the gifts He's given me to help you use your gifts. That's amazing, isn't it? You know what? I love seeing potential in people. I love When the Lord shows me something someone's good at and I can try to help them start or begin. And my, I wanna be better at it. I wanna find even more ways to help you do what's on your heart to serve God with. I wanna see you learn, I wanna see you grow. You know, God very clearly tells us that He will reward us when we serve Him. So trust me, when you serve God, it's not for nothing. It says he'll reward you now. He also rewards you in heaven. Revelation twenty two twelve. 12, we read this verse. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. It's Jesus speaking, saying, I am coming, and I will reward everyone according to his work. He's not talking about salvation here. He's talking about rewarding your service. Salvation is a free gift. All you do is receive it. But he saves us to serve. And rewards come from serving. There's a story that I have read before here from Matthew chapter 25. We're not actually going to put it on this screen. But you maybe remember the story from other times or reading it. And it's the story of It's the parable that Jesus tells about a ruler who has properties and finance, and he goes away and leaves it with his servants. And he asks them to look after it, and he gives to each one what they can handle. And he gives this many talents to the first one, and this many talents to the next one, and one talent to the uh, third. He comes back after much time, and he meets with them. And two of them have increased what he's given. They used it to their best of their ability and it increased. Did you know when you start serving God the best of your ability, he will increase it every time. He will allow it to increase because you're stepping into it. Okay, that's just how it works. But one of them said, you know, I'm going to take what I have and I am just going to hide it. I'm not going to use it. And he had a reason. My reason is I think God's kind of hard, and I am afraid that I will lose it, and he'll be mad. Now, he had an improper image of the Lord to start with, but he used fear as his excuse to do nothing with what he was given, and he buried it. And when the Lord came back, he dug it up, he brought it, and he said, here's what you gave me. I didn't do anything with it, but here it is. I didn't lose it. Because I was afraid. And did you know what the Lord's answer was to him? You wicked and lazy servant. Oh my goodness. Remember I said there was two things that I believe stop people from serving? Fear and being lazy. Fear and being lazy. Neither of them are okay. You want to be a follower of Christ, you got to deal with both. Put him aside. He's so good. If you have put in, I'm going to try, Lord. You can make the biggest mess of it ever. And he's going to be like, awesome, way to go. Let's try that again. He loves you. He's a good father. Don't ever be afraid. The enemy is a liar and he will give you the excuse. Well, you can't serve God because your relationship isn't perfect. He's a liar. Serve him. Well, you can't serve God because you made a mistake once. He's a liar. Serve him. Well, you can't serve in kids' ministry because your kids aren't perfect. He's a liar. Serve him. It will be the most rewarding thing you've ever done. Yes, it will require work. Yes, it will require you to not be lazy and overcome fear. But it will be worth it. Serving him is what we're meant to do because I believe we are saved to serve.